you please stand with us? We waited for this day. We gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart and filling every part of our praise. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our if you'll sing with me and ladies if you'll echo you are holy you are holy you are mighty you are mighty you are worthy you are worthy you're worthy of praise, worthy of praise. I will follow I will 
I will listen. I will listen. I will love you. I will love you. All of my days, all, all of my days. And I will seek to and worship the King who is worthy. I will love and adore Him. I will bow down before Him, and I will sing to and worship the King who is worthy. I will love and adore Him, and I will bow down before Him. You're my Prince of Peace, and I will live my life for You. You are holy. You are holy. You are mighty. You are mighty. You are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. And I will follow. I will follow. Yes, I will listen. I will listen. And I will love. All of my days, all of my days, and I will sing to and worship the King who is worthy. I will love and adore Him. I will bow down before Him, and I will sing to and worship the King. I will love and adore him. I will bow down before him. You're my prince of peace, and I will live my life for you. Yes, you're my prince of peace, and I will live my life for you. be seated. That song takes me back to the mid-90s when it was a new song and we would sing it at our afterglows in our youth group. Uh, man, time flies when you're having fun, amen? Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so thankful that you are here with us. want to welcome you. If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, you are our guest. We want to answer any questions you may have. want to serve you any way that we can. Inside our bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. Um, you can put that in the box right out there in uh, the foyer. So you have a special treat uh, this morning. We have a special treat for you, and it's a surprise to the majority of you. And so um, those of you who have been at our church for, for a while know that every spring, uh, Miss Wanda and some others um, have, a, have a musical in the spring. Well, last spring, like what, a couple weeks, two weeks before COVID hit. Um, and so we had to postpone that all the way until October when they performed it. And there was no way for them from October till this spring to work on a full musical that they usually do on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. So instead, they've been working on a mini musical. That's about 15 minutes long. And so they're going to do that this morning. Uh, when they're done with that, 
Um, I'm going to come up and pray. We're going to sing a hymn, and during that hymn, our children can be dismissed for Children's Church, and then uh, after the hymn, I'm still going to preach uh, through the book of Ruth uh, this morning. There you go. Somebody got excited about that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, I got to hear them a little bit um, on Wednesday night as they were running through this. Uh, they are talented. This group can sing, and uh, so just so thankful for that. So let me pray, um, and then while I'm praying, if you all want to get started or get in position, however you want to do that, um, and then we'll get started. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord. God, I'm so thankful for these kids. Uh, Lord, as they're going to come and as they're going to sing, God, they're going to sing praises to you. And they're going to remind us this morning through some of their songs about the very word of God. Lord, on the front of the bulletin, we've got a reminder that we're to put on the whole armor of God. They're going to remind us of that as well. So, Lord, be with them. Calm any nerves that they may have. Uh, Lord, as they sing and as they speak, Lord, help us to, to have fun, to laugh, but in all things to worship you. And if there is anyone here this morning that does not know you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, that maybe through their music, through their singing, that they would come to know you today, that they would bow their knee, confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is a good day, God, to be with your people. So be glorified today and be with our kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. forgot. Welcome, class, to your field trip to the White House Fire Station. I'm Fireman Fred. Now, the first thing that we're going to do around here is to suit up for safety. Life is full of fire hot battles, and we all need to be prepared. Are you ready?
Wow, that armor of God is a lot for a little kid. Yeah, do we really need all this? Well, speaking from experience, we need it all. Everything from the fireman's sturdy hat, which is like the helmet of salvation, to our thick, hefty boots, which means our feet are fitted with the gospel of truth. Okay, okay. So once you're suited up and everything, you get a phone call, you're going to hurry up, hop on the truck, and head on out, right? In your armor of God, of course. Well, that's assuming you've started your morning out right. You mean eating Cheerios for breakfast? Cheerios with bananas. Even before the Cheerios, I found that I need to make sure that I spend time talking to the Lord. I ask God to use me as He sees fit, no matter how big the fires might be. Yeah, my dad always says God can do great things with a humble person. Yes, when we are willing to humble ourselves, then God alone is lifted up. shine for Jesus. Is that why you have a flashlight? So you can shine? Well, that's one way to shine. Can anyone think of another? 
remember when I was little. We used to sing, this is a light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That's right. You see, it's a dark world out there. And we need the light of Jesus to shine through us. You see, every day can be like a battle. But we'll be prepared with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Then we'll be ready to fight the good fight. Okay, okay, so you come into the station, you sit up in the armor of God, but before that, you must get down and pray and ask God to be lifted up in your life. So you can shine for Jesus. Shining is very important. Shining as you're fighting a good fight with the word of God, of course. 
I think we've got some real potential firefighters here. So now can we hop on the fire truck and go? Yes, we can. Thank goodness! Attention, boys and girls. The Lighthouse Fire Station proudly commissions you to go out in the armor of God and fight those fiery battles. You can go because now you know. Man, aren't you just so proud of them? Man, I, lo- I love, love seeing our kids sing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And right there, the last song was a little gospel presentation uh, about what we believe. And if you don't believe that, then, then we pray that you will uh, believe that. Make sure before you leave this morning, if you see one of them, they're in the red shirt, you'll be able to, to find them. Just let them know how much you appreciate them coming uh, and being willing to get up here and to sing 
Uh, it is not easy when these lights are on you and all these faces are looking at you, uh, but, but they did that. So I'm so proud of them. So thankful for all our adults that, that work with them each and every uh, Sunday night. You guys will resume, what, in the fall, August? Two weeks after school starts. So um, if you, if you want to be a part of that, kids, we would love for you to do that. All right, let me pray. While I'm praying, Curtis is going to come. We're going to sing a hymn, and our kids will make their way out to... Uh, the Children's Church. Father, again, we thank you. Lord, we just thank you for the gospel. Thank you for how the gospel can be presented through song and through, through drama. Lord, thank you for these leaders, these adults who work with our kids, Lord, just Wednesday after Wednesday. Lord, just teaching them and, and, and imparting them, you know, with, with, with drama and singing. And Father, just continue to use... Uh, our kids in that way. It is a powerful, powerful tool, God, that you can use to communicate the gospel. And Father, we pray that each of these girls and, and boys will continue to sing about Jesus the rest of their life. Father, we also thank you for the message that was heard, that we are to put on the armor of God, that we are to be a light into a dark world, that we are to tell people what we believe. And Father, maybe we have failed to do that faithfully. Lord, as we sing, revive us again. Lord, I pray that you would revive us. Put within us that desire to be as bold as our kids were this morning, to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. please and take your copy of the Word of God and turn Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. We're going to read verses 19 through 
22. Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. You may be seated. So we started last week a study in the book of Ruth. Um, so let me just kind of tell you uh, what I'm going to do because of the, the musical this morning, uh, because next Sunday is grad recognition, um, instead of preaching verse 6 all the way through the end of chapter 1, verse 22, I'm going to focus on verse 6 this morning, and then also focus in on verses 19 through 22 today, and then next Sunday, we're going to come back to chapter 1, and we're going to look at this dialogue that takes place between uh, right, Naomi and Orpah and Ruth in this amazing declaration of allegiance that Ruth declares, this covenant she makes with Naomi. So we're going to come back um, and look at the conversation they have on their way to Bethlehem. But this morning we're going to zero in on once they get there, particularly focusing in on Naomi. And so we start in verse 19. And so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now, it had been 10 <clears throat> plus years since Naomi had been in Bethlehem. Remember, she left Bethlehem because of a lack of food, a famine. They go to the fields of Moab. And when she comes back in town, it says the whole town was stirred. And they're asking, is this Naomi? Now, the author doesn't tell us uh, what their thoughts were. Was the town excited? Like, this is Naomi. We haven't seen her in 10 plus years. Welcome home, Naomi. Were they judgmental? Oh, that's Naomi. She's the one that her husband and her and her two sons, they left. They left the people of God. They left the place of God. They abandoned God himself and went to a foreign land. And, and, and I heard they married some Moabite women. Were they judgmental? Were they concerned? Had they maybe heard of the grief and the suffering that Naomi had been through, and they were just concerned for her. She lost her husband, her two sons. We don't know what they were thinking, but we do know the town was stirred. And then we come to verse 20. She said to them, and Naomi begins this dialogue. She becomes front and center. She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant or beautiful. She says, don't call me Naomi. That's who I was when I left. Instead, she says, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Mara means bitter. Look, Naomi is brutally honest. If Naomi were to walk into church this morning and we were to say, hey, Naomi, how are you doing? She wouldn't give the standard greeting that we give. Hey, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. She would look at you and say, I'm bitter. I'm not good. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, I'm bitter, and you and I would not know how to respond. 
Because we're used to people giving us that fake smile and everything's good. We'd be like, well, okay then. Have a good day, Naomi. Like, how do you want me to, how do you want me to answer that? But she's bitter. She's upset. Why is she upset? I'm going to put these verses on the screen, verse 20 and 21, because I want you to see um, what she does here. She says, for the Almighty, Almighty, that should die. El Shaddai, Almighty, the omnipotent, all-powerful God, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Now, let's pause there for a moment. She says, I went away full. Now, obviously, she's not talking about full in the stomach because there was a famine. So when she says she left full, she has to be referring to the fact that she had a husband and two sons. And now she's standing there in front of these people, and she says, I left full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Now, how in the world do you think Ruth took that? Ruth had just, and we'll see it next week, declared her allegiance to her mother-in-law. I'm all in. I'm following you. I'm not going back to home. I'm, I'm coming with you. And maybe she's there when Naomi says, I left full. I've come back empty. And I wonder if Ruth just thought, what am I? Like, you, you didn't come back empty. Hello, I'm here. Like, I'm with you. But this is how she feels. She says, I came back empty. Look, she says, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Now, just a couple things. Um, in Naomi's confession here, notice there's no personal accountability. Look, I, I don't know why her husband and two sons died. Was it because they left the people of God and went off into a pagan land? I don't know. The author doesn't tell us that. But there's no personal accountability. Naomi's not saying anywhere in this, hey, look, part of this is our fault. We, we left the, the Bethlehem, the people of God, the land of God, and we went into a foreign pagan country. She takes no personal responsibility, right? Instead, she, she calls out the Lord. In essence, saying the Lord has done this to me. Now, understand in, in Naomi saying this, she believes that God is sovereign. She is saying the Lord has done this. The Lord is in control. He's Shaddai. He's the Almighty One. He has done this. And, and it, man, it just seems, right, Naomi's bitter. I mean, some of you, you know the temptation. You've dealt with some serious loss in your life, some major suffering, some things that you dealt with maybe as a child or even as an adult, and it's really easy for us to become bitter. Now, listen. Um, I'm not picking on Naomi. I didn't pick on Elimelech last week. I just said, hey, let's look at Elimelech and see, are we like Elimelech? Sometimes are we a little too tempted and too quick to compromise rather than staying where we are and trusting God? And this morning, I'm not picking on Naomi. Instead, let Naomi be a warning for all of us. Because Naomi gets to a place in her life where she honestly says, I'm bitter. And in essence, this is God's fault. God's done this. I'm bitter. I'm angry with God. Now, here's the question. How did Naomi get to this point? How did Naomi get to the point when she comes back into Bethlehem, her first response is, I'm Mara. I'm bitter. I'm angry. Now, there's a lot that could be said here, but I simply want to draw your attention to one thing that I think is so tempting for all of us, and it is this. Naomi simply failed to remember. 
Naomi failed to remember God's provision in the past and God's provision in her present. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, you shall remember the Lord your God. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. 1 Chronicles 16, 11 through 12 says this, Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Jesus said to his disciples, right, on the night that they broke bread and drank from the cup, what did he say? Do this in what? Remembrance of me. God calls us to remember. One of the main themes of Ruth is the providence of God. That God is working and acting in all things. That he is the grand designer, the grand weaver. And even when we can't see it, God is still doing something. Daniel Block writes, the reader will recognize here the providential hand of God. Guiding natural and historical events for the fulfillment of his purpose and setting the stage for the ultimate emergence of David's ancestor. The author of Ruth is calling all of us to remember. Naomi failed to remember. Naomi needed to be reminded of the history of God's faithfulness. Ian DeGuide in his commentary on the book of Ruth writes this, The result of that attitude in our hearts, this attitude where we become bitter, we become angry, may be that our lives become filled with such bitterness that we completely miss the providential marks of God's continuing goodness to us in the midst of our difficulties. So here's what I would submit to you today. In the midst of verses 19 through 21, In the midst of Naomi being bitter because she's lost her husband, she's lost her son, she comes back empty, I would submit to you that God's providence has been on display the entire time. Naomi just missed it. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's circle back to verse 6. I quickly, briefly referenced it last week, but I want to camp out here for a minute. Verse 6, and I want you to see here the grace and the mercy of God in four key words. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had, here's the first key word, heard. Heard. I talked about it last week. Naomi, right, 50-plus miles away from Bethlehem, and she hears something. Now, how did she hear it? She hears it by the grace and the mercy of God. There's no cell phone. There's no landline. There's no operator for you to call. You don't have one of those phones where you, you guys remember the circle, you circled and you had to wait, you did it again. There's none of that. There's no text message, there's no social media, there's no email, there's no snail mail, there's nothing. And yet, somehow, in the midst of her situation, she hears. That is the mercy and the grace of God that allows Naomi to hear of what he's doing back home. That's the first word. For she had heard in the fields of Moab, That the Lord, that's the second word, the Lord, the Lord, this is Yahweh, this is the covenant-keeping God. She hears that her God is up to something. The Lord is doing something. The author of Ruth gives us no indication that the people of God have repented. The author gives us no indication that the Lord visits them because of what the people have done. The indication here, what the author wants the reader to notice, is that the Lord has been gracious. The Lord has been merciful. The Lord has showed up in the midst of a famine 
to help his people. That is God's grace and his mercy. We continue. That the Lord has visited. Had visited. That Hebrew word is a beautiful word. We see the grace and the mercy of God. Sometimes in the scripture, uh, that word visited is used referring to God visiting his people with judgment. His wrath being poured out upon them. But there's also places in the Old Testament where this Hebrew word for visited is used for the Lord visiting and pouring out his blessings upon his people. We read of one of those in Genesis 21. Let me just give you a little backstory. You remember God makes a promise, a covenant to Abraham. He tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. I'm going to bless you with descendant after descendant as numerous as the stars, and you're going to become a great people, and through you, I'm going to bless the nations. Now, how can you begin the process of becoming a great people? Well, Abraham, you got to have a son, right? One problem, Abraham doesn't have any kids. So how can God fulfill his promise when Abraham and Sarah have no children? We read this in Genesis 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and Sarah conceived. The Lord visited grace and mercy in their old age. When it is impossible to have a child, the Lord visits. 1 Samuel, we read of another lady, Hannah, wrestling with infertility, wrestling with barrenness. Right, She has no children. And then we read these words in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived. Now, God visits his people, not to provide all of them with babies in Ruth chapter 1, but he visits them to provide them with food. And we see a glimpse of that in the last part of verse 22 when it says, at the beginning of barley harvest. God is about to give them a harvest. There is going to be bread once again in the house of bread, Bethlehem. He's going to visit. Tony Merida writes this, Naomi's misconception lies in her failure to see God's compassion and his commitment to his people. And that's the last thing I want you to see, church, and I do not want you to miss this. For it says that the Lord had visited his who? People. His who? People. His who? People. The Lord visited his people. Oh, church, what Naomi had forgotten in this moment, and we're guilty, we put blinders on, and all we can see is right there in the moment, our suffering, our pain, what Naomi forgot to remember is that God had made a promise to his people. And Naomi, being an Israelite, was part of that people. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7 says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Old church, here's what I believe. I believe Naomi just needed to be reminded of God's provision. That even in the darkest of circumstances, in the toughest of times, that God is still faithful. See, Naomi needed to be reminded of God's work in the past. There's a really interesting story that takes place in Exodus 15, verse 22. This is what we read. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. So God has delivered his people from Egypt. He brings them through the Red Sea. Now follow me. They went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. 
I don't know about you, but if you're in the wilderness for three days, you probably want some water. They're thirsty. And we know the story of the Israelites. They're going to start to grumble. But we read this really interesting thing. When they came to Marah, where'd they come to? Marah. What does Naomi say to the people? Don't call me Naomi, but call me Marah. Catching? Catching on here? Follow with me. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was what? Anybody got a guess? Bitter. That's what Marah means. It's bitter. They come to the body of water. It's bitter. They can't drink it, so what do they start doing? Well, therefore, it was Namara, and the people grumbled against Moses. They had already forgotten of every plague that God had sent, of God's providence and his sovereignty in Egypt, how he brought them through the Red Sea. You come to a body of water. You think God can't do something about this? He just drowned an entire army through the very waters that he led you through. How quickly they are to forget, and they start grumbling. So what does Moses do? Well, what Moses does a lot of times, he starts to intercede on behalf of the people. They're saying, Moses, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. See, all Mara had to do, all Naomi had to do was just remember the story of them at the water of Mara and how even in the midst of that, our God still provides. God provides for Naomi and Ruth. He provides them with food. But check this out. God's going to do something even greater than that. He's going to provide Ruth with the son. And we'll get there in a couple weeks. Church, hear me. Hear me, hear me. God provides for your basic needs, but he has also provided for your greatest need. He has given you a son. He has given you his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me make this abundantly clear. You and I are not part of Israel. Israel was the people of God. We are not Israel, but we are part of the church. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the bride of Christ. And Peter says these words, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hear me, God will not abandon you. He will not forsake you because he has made a promise to you through his son, Jesus Christ, that if you believe in the son, as our kids sang about, that he will become your God, you will become his son and his daughter, and no matter how dark it gets, he is in control. One of my favorite quotes, I've said it many times since I've been here, John Piper, God is doing 10,000 things in your life, and you are aware of maybe three of them. So here's what I'm going to call you to do this morning. I simply am calling you to remember, to look back upon God's provision in your past, to see his faithfulness and to trust him right now, but also to see what God is doing now. I remember early on uh, in my life, either before my first church or my second church, somebody had told me, hey, Aaron, when God begins to move in your life, when God begins to open a door, I have found it really helpful to write things down to record of what God has done so that when you get to your new church, if things get difficult, right, if you go through a challenge and you think, God, why am I here? You can go back and be reminded that it was God who brought you here. It was God who opened door after door to provide for you. So if you will allow me a moment, I want to remember. Now I'm going to share a story. It's from my life. And it directly involves you. 
Full disclosure, at the end of this story, you may think, Pastor, that was silly and ridiculous. That's fine. But for me, it was huge. So it's 2019. The pastor search committee here at Northside and myself, God orchestrated uh, doors and opened doors and brought things together so that the search committee went from all of their candidates and they narrowed it down to me. We had done an interview, we had answered questions, and they wanted to bring us up for a weekend uh, to get to meet them, take us out to eat, check out the church, see the property, check out Noonan, uh, because they believed it was God's will for, for, for me to be the next pastor. So you got to go through those steps. And so I remember we get in the van, we're driving to Georgia, we are crossing from Florida into Georgia, and as if it was this morning, I can remember listening to a song, My Wife is Asleep. Because when we travel, she has to sleep, or we have to go to the bathroom every 45 minutes. So I know she's asleep. I don't know what my kids are doing, but I'm listening to a song. As if it was this morning, I remember the lyrics are, Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. And I remember, as I'm crossing into Georgia, I get emotional, and I say, Spirit, lead me. Because this is huge. This is a huge decision for me. It is a huge decision for my wife, for my son who's in seventh grade, for my youngest son, Malachi. It's a massive decision for Northside, for the church where I currently serve, Eagle's Nest. I knew this was huge, and I knew in my heart how excited I was. And I knew that, man, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to open a door, God, if you're closing a door. I don't want to be disappointed if the committee meets me and they're like, yeah, we're not interested anymore. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't want to be disappointed. So I just remember praying, Spirit, lead me. Don't let me mess this up. So we pull into our hotel. I get out of the van. I go inside. Lady, super nice, checks us in. And she says, oh, by the way, somebody came by and they dropped off a gift basket for you. I was like, oh, man, that is so sweet. That's a good first impression right there, a gift basket. So I said, well, let me go out and get my family, get some stuff. When I come back in, I'll get the gift basket. So when I come back in, she's got this gift basket, massive basket. I can see all kinds of good stuff inside there sitting up on the counter. I walk up to the basket. I look in the basket, and I see something. And again, you may think this is silly, but I see something that catches my eye, and it stops me. You say, man, Pastor, what was inside that basket that got your attention? It was this. <laughs> Not this same box. I ate it, but it was this. Now, audience participation. Bear with me. This illustration is taking a while, but I've been waiting for like 15 months to share this. So bear with me. Um, audience participation, and I need you to be very honest. And those of you watching online, you can participate. Raise your hand if you have ever heard of goobers. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of goobers. All right. Impressive. Impressive. If you never heard of goobers, they're chocolate-covered peanuts, milk chocolate, dry-roasted peanuts. Raise your hand if you've tried goobers and you like them. Be honest if you tried them and you like them. All right? Good. I hope you don't mess up my illustration here. <laughs> Sometimes you go into the grocery store, right? You got a, a craving for some chocolate or some kind of candy. You go into Publix, Kroger, Walgreens, wherever, you walk down the candy aisle, and you have a plethora of of options for candy. You got chocolate, non-chocolate, it's all not good for you. You're gonna put on some pounds, but you really want some candy. Now, every single one of you in here has a favorite candy. I'm not talking about one of your favorite candies. I'm talking about it's at the top of your list that every time, every day, if given the option, you're gonna choose that one candy. It is your favorite. 
Now, I need you to be completely honest when I ask this question. How many of you would say, if you're standing there in line, don't answer the way you think you want, I want you to answer. Answer honestly. That if you're there in the candy aisle and you are going to pick your favorite, absolute favorite, it is not even a question, your favorite candy, how many of you honestly would pick Goobers? Raise your hand. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to look around. Look around. How many hands do you see? Zero. But there is somebody in this room whose favorite candy since they were a child is goobers. Whose dad's watching probably right now who got his love for goobers from his dad. Who loves goobers so much that Santa Claus and Easter Bunny knew to always bring him goobers. That when I texted my wife, that somebody's me if you haven't caught on yet. When I texted my wife, hey, what's my favorite candy? Her first response, goobers. When I asked Lena, what's my favorite candy? Goobers. When I asked Malachi yesterday, Malachi, what's my favorite candy? He said, goobers. There is someone who loves goobers so much that his in-laws know his favorite candy is goobers. So church, hear me. You may think, pastor, this is ridiculous, but follow me. None of you in here raised your hand. If I was going into a store to fill up a gift basket for somebody I didn't know that well, I would never put goobers in the gift basket. <laughs> never. Ever, ever, ever would I do that. So when I walk into that hotel, and I just prayed, Spirit of God, lead me. I don't want to mess this up. When I look in a gift basket, knowing that it's not anybody else's favorite but mine, and I see goobers, it's as if the Spirit of God just whispered and said, Aaron, I've got this. I am so sovereign that I can, by random happen chance, somebody would say, Put some candy that is nobody else's favorite but yours in a basket that I'm sovereign over things like that. Now, God has done some amazingly big things in our lives since God called us to Northside. From a unanimous vote to be your pastor, which was mind-blowing to us, to selling our home in Florida in four or five days to providing us with a home here, to providing my boys with the school that they love, friends that they've already made, providing my wife with a job that she absolutely loves and gives her flexibility being in a school. God has done some big things. And those are awesome. But sometimes it's the little things that speak the loudest to us. So I share that story with you, and you may think, Pastor, that's just weird. Maybe, but for me in that moment, God knew exactly what I needed. He knew I needed a box of goobers. And he called my spirit, and he said, look, Aaron, all you've got to do is just trust me. Step by step, let me open or close doors, and at the end of the day, whatever I do, just praise my name. Listen, I'm not trying to trivialize the pain and the suffering that you have gone through in your life we have people in our church who are going through it right now. I'm not trying to trivialize that. But if we're not careful, every single one of us, including myself, can get to a place where we become bitter like Naomi. And if we fail to remember God's provision and God's grace in the big things and in the little things, then we will become bitter.
So the message this morning is simple. I'm just calling you to remember. What a joy I've had this week just being able to remember, to look back over the last 15, 16 months to see God's provision and hand in my life, my family's and Northside's life, and I'm calling you to remember, to look back on all the work that God has done, all that God is doing, and simply to praise him. And if you're angry and if you're bitter, just be honest about it. Just go to the word of God, fall on your knees, seek his face and say, look, God, I I don't understand what you're doing. I'm not happy about what you're doing, but help me. Help me to get to the place where I can praise you even in the midst of the storm. Would you close your eyes and, and bow your head? Father, I just want to thank you and praise you. Before we sing a song here in just a moment, I want to thank you and praise you for being a God who loves your people so much that you're concerned even about the smallest, littlest things of our lives. There is not one detail of our life, Father, that you are unconcerned about. And God, you reminded me of that. And you have reminded me of that many, many times in the last 16 plus months. It's been difficult for all of us going through a season of COVID and so much uncertainty, and we're still just trying to come out of that. And we have people in our church even right now, God, who are sick with COVID. And, and Lord, we just pray for them. We lift them up. We have people who have lost loved ones as a result of this. It's not been an easy year. We've had high schoolers and middle schoolers and elementary kids who've had to go an entire year in masks and, and missing out on so much school. Father, we have people right now who are struggling financially, struggling in marriages, struggling uh, with health, being diagnosed with cancer, whatever it may be. And yet, God, in the midst of that, you're still good. You're still good. And just as you provided for your people, the people that you had pledged to be faithful to, even in the midst of their unfaithfulness, God, you will be faithful to us, your people, even when we are unfaithful because of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of our life. So, Father, if there's anyone this morning that's being unfaithful, would you call them to repentance? Anyone who's angry and bitter, God, would you just call them to remember? Anyone struggling, hurting, Spirit of God, would you just comfort them today? Comfort them. God, you were setting the stage. You were setting the stage in Naomi's life to do something amazing and incredible that she could not even begin to understand in that moment. And God, I believe you're doing the same thing right now with your church here in America. God, you are preparing her. You are sanctifying her. You are setting her apart, God, so that you can do something amazing and incredible for your glory and for the good of the bride of Christ. So, Father, do that work among us, we pray. Speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother, more love to thee. More love to thee, O Christ. Would you stand as we sing a couple verses of this song?
Amen. If you'll just remain standing, let me just go over a couple announcements. If you have not picked up your bottles uh, yet, they are up here. There were some back there on the welcome desk as well. Please grab some of those, fill those up, bring them back by Father's Day. Uh, next Sunday morning, we're going to recognize our graduates uh, during the morning worship service. We're also going to have a reception for them next Sunday night from 4.30 to 6. We'll have uh, some finger foods for you as well. And then that's going to be followed by the quarterly conference. We have a nominating committee meeting really quick right after church. If you're on the nominating committee, if you'll just meet me up front. And then let me encourage you, please come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a night of worship and missions. We're going to spend some time praying for missions. We're going to sing some praise and worship songs together. And then we're going to hear from Mark Runyon's. You know, Mark and Pastor BJ got to go uh, to Ecuador, um, and we haven't heard uh, yet from that trip. And so he's going to come and be sharing about that. Please come tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, just worship with us, um, and, and let's be a church that is dedicated to living on mission for Christ and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Ken is the deacon of the week, and so he's going to come and dismiss us with the word of prayer. Well, Pastor, if it's any consolation, I'd rather have goobers than raisinets. <laughs> Shall we pray? Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for the message, um, providing our needs. Abraham didn't know that you were going to provide a sacrifice for him. He told his servants that me and the boy are going to go up, and we, we will be get back down. We thank you for the provisions that you give for us. You supply our needs, not our wants. Protect us as we go through this week. Bring us back next week. In Jesus' name, amen.